Welcome to the second part of our conversation with Alex Phoebe. Thank you so much for staying with us. Now I present the second part of our conversation. Some practitioner of uh, Buddha, uh, mm. he's a historian, but I forgot his, I don't remember who the person is, so I'm not going to mention it, but uh, they, they were saying that, well, you can look at uh you know, uh, places where Buddhism itself exists, that it's probably not really working properly. But, yeah. but then the guy said that, oh, actually, uh, this guy said, well, it's a really long game. I mean, you, <laughs> yeah. who says, yeah, yeah, who says that it's only a few thousand years. The goal is that each and every single one of us do need to wake up and see from yeah. each other's eyes. So, yeah, it's a long game. It is a long game. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's true. I think that it's both long and quite short because it is long in that the race is long. Um, but like a marathon, you need to be ensuring that you're running in, in approximately the right direction. Otherwise, you never get to the end. I mean, you know that it's not okay for you to act like an asshole all the time. You know that. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to wait to be told. Um, it's just that somehow some people have been led to believe that it's okay for them to act badly. Uh, because yeah. they're privileged and good uh, and you can they can do whatever they like because reality is such that it supports them and you know i don't you know if, if, if obviously the striving for nirvana and and you know kind of universal enlightenment uh, across you know multiple generations regenerations is clearly a long game but at the same time it has smaller individual failures and successes to to reach some kind of accommodation with the world Etc. Etc. I don't know why. Why did we get onto to politics anyway? Like, <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> markets. It's fine. It's yeah, fine. markets. I mean, it. we we are still putting politics into a larger context, so it's yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, uh, and I think it is politics is very much to do with your idea of what the real is, and to do with what the self is, and all of those things. Um, it's you kind of it's when you start taking those things for granted. And that they they are something that means something outside of your local situation. Then I think you get yourself in terrible trouble because um, it lets you do it lets you decide what's right and wrong. Uh, and the moment you're deciding what's right and wrong in that way, you're bound to make mistakes. You know, it's it's wrong for lazy people to be rewarded for their laziness. So you know, yeah. it's wrong. You know, yeah. it's clearly wrong. You can't be rewarded for laziness. Then the trouble comes in, well, what's laziness? <laughs> and then you're in a problem because <laughs> you're just finding laziness and there's always going to be margins to that laziness. No one's pure lazy. And even the people who are pure lazy doesn't stop them doing well. There's lots of very lazy people who do really well. This this is a, this is a now I think it's 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 that's where it gets really hard, probably. I don't know, for me at this point where it's mm. it's yes there is a subject so there's a self-reflective subjective reality that's where the culture you know is coming from mm. and we have the superpower in one sense that we can you know separate a little bit um from this deep now and you know plan into the future mm. and just we exist somewhere somewhere in between those timelines and then we can create these virtual realities and then we have this mirror where we just self-reflect and distort. Although, as you are saying, we got to still, you know, rely on each other in this crazy mm. situation and still got to go towards a bit of a direction which is not leading all of us and life into yeah, some sort of a ledge. 
because it has happened many times on Earth itself. Yeah, so. please. And in very recent memory, you know, I mean, sometimes I become annoyed. There's an argument that um, the, the nuclear deterrent has prevented war in Europe since the Second World War. And I was, I hear people people say things like that and then i think well that's true if you ignore all of the wars that have happened in europe particularly the bosnian conflict i mean we're not i mean i shouldn't laugh we're looking at a situation where on mainland europe there have been um genocides in what is supposed to be the kind of the home of the rational west you know and and you look at the states and it's barbaric the kind of um oppression that black people suffered there daily i mean it's just a, a nonsense to imagine that any of these things are, are, are good and we are all kind of galloping cheerfully off in one direction on the assumption that everything is right and um, it only takes you know very small things a disease that realistically um is only <laughs> well it, what is it four months old and it's it's ground the entire culture to a stop um, and that's not the first time this has happened. You know, just the Spanish flu is, you know, the most obvious. And that's within some people's living memory. I mean, increasingly few people, but there were people who were alive in 1918. And yet none of us seem to think that that was worth bothering with, uh, <laughs> like, despite the fact that it's blindingly obvious that it was there. And, you know, and it's effacing and overwriting the whole ecological kind of nightmare that was we're all going through at the moment. But runaway productive overproductive capitalism is the i mean we know that we know it's causing global warming we know it's ruining the planet we know and we're doing it anyway because it seems to be the right thing to do <laughs> it's uh, all of those things and and to say well we do rely on each other but we rely on the past of us and the future of us too and and all of those things are, are things that we have to bear in mind um we can't you know just i mean who even wants this crap anyway? Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I've joined the lockdown. I've kind of come to the conclusion that I don't really need any of those things that, that I seem to have thought that I might have needed. Providing the food comes in and like, and no one's hassling me, I'm okay, I think. You know, and I've, I can remember times in my life when if I'd have tried to get through this situation in those times, I'd have been, I'd have been in serious trouble. I mean, I, there were times when I, you've not had money for electricity because you had an electricity meter and the key wasn't charged up and you had no cash, right? And that was the only way you could get... How, do people, how does that work now? How do people with electricity keys get electricity, right? I don't understand. I mean, you would rely on so many different people in order for you just to feel roughly comfortable in this situation. And anything, any of those things that went wrong, if our boiler broke and this was the winter, then we'd be in trouble. If the water went down, if the internet went down, I'd be absolutely, that's it. There'd be nothing, I couldn't work. They'd have to fire me or something. I don't know what they'd do. <laughs> now is the most important person in my life, whoever it is who keeps the internet running. I guess, you know, they probably are. No, yeah, yeah I agree. It's, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's an odd question, very odd, where we have separated ourselves from these natural signals, which mm. somehow had some check on us. Like, I don't yeah. know, diseases and wars. You have kind of detract, like kind of, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was a lot of suffering. We built walls, we built cities, okay. And then we have maybe disconnected a lot from, if you want to call it nature itself, which yeah. was providing us guidance, at, at you know. 
and it's and other people i mean I've, i yeah. sit and and talk to the students and and we talk about stuff while we're doing because people write about all sorts of different things in workshops uh you look at other people's writing and and, and talk about them and it often people will write about how terrible the world is and uh, the ethics of the things that they're doing. And then we look around and we're all wearing like stuff from Primark and (laughs) whatever clothes you happen to have on. And everyone knows that those are made by slave children in other countries. Everybody knows that. And they know that's why it's so cheap. And they know that's why we have, we, you know, you know, when you go to Morley's fried chicken, that whatever the chicken that you've eaten from Morley's fried chicken had a terrible life terrible 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 life and that the whole of the culture that you're you're very much benefiting from is predicated on suffering right and somehow we've managed to make it so that we don't have to think about that all, all the time yeah and, and i think you know the pandemic the, the way that people are dealing with the pandemic here on the news is is like okay this is a terrible problem for the west and it is a terrible problem for the west but it's going to be even worse in places where they don't have a decent medical system because we've enforced generations of debt, famine debt on them, and are forcing them to pay back the the interest payments and not invest in their own infrastructure. I mean, what is going to happen in places? Well, how are we going to deal with that? People worried that you know they couldn't deal with Syrian refugees. What are you going to do when you, the, the entire infrastructure of countries throughout the world is just collapsed? Hey, what are you gonna yeah, do? yeah, that's that's. I mean, I I just want to figure right now about my own guilt. This is made by, yeah, made in Pakistan. <laughs> and I think that's is... probably the way it works the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. we've we've. This is one of the reasons I think. If you look at Chomsky, for example, who will, looks at the way the media treats the way we live our lives and forces us into an endless state of paranoid anxiety. Precisely for that reason, so that we always think, I've got to look after myself, got to look after myself, got to look after me and mine first, because if I don't, then no one's going to. And forget all of those people far away. I'll deal with them once my safety has has been assured. And I think that is precisely how we end up in a situation where we don't come into those checks and balances from either nature or from other people. It's because we draw in our vision so so closely on the people around us and forget the suffering of everybody else. Yeah. There's a, there's a beautiful documentary called True Cost uh, about this uh, textile industry and the fashion industry. Right. Uh, anyone interested in this topic? Yeah, yeah, I should watch amazing. it. Amazing. Yeah, for sure. See, I, I love depressing the hell out of myself. That's one of, oh, <laughs> That's yeah. sounds I mean, what can you do? I mean, the, it's a yeah. it's a terrible yes. world. <laughs> well, uh, well, actually uh, there are some some something positives uh, coming out of um, okay. very scientific, like really dominantly scientific people who have authority. So there's oh. this guy whose name is Jeffrey Vest, and the other guy he's an astrophysicist, and the other guy is uh, David Krakar. They have okay. Institute of San Jose, uh, and they are working on complexity science, and they are trying to you know break down these walls and the barriers and one of the research they have done beautiful it's about this growth this market and the cities they said cities is beautiful i mean it's one of the let's say yeah it's a it's a brilliant um best one of the best inventions for for humans in in one sense uh, if you are looking at growth and if you are looking at uh how you can um generate a lot of power which you can then uh direct towards achieving something but yeah. then they they have done a really good calculations and 
it's it's fascinating the calculation how they have compared cities with other organisms because cities are not like separated from mm. our world itself uh, so our biology is based in the suns and the stars and somehow sure and and all of uh, all of the calculation they have done describes that how of our half our, our age is dependent on many other calculation but when they describe cities it's actually one of the very unnatural calculation and cities shows unlimited growth and that's just mm. a huge problem and they say they show an unlimited growth to a point and then there is no gradual decrease no it just it comes disappear to zero. Yeah. yeah, which is, yeah, yeah, that's uh, well, it's not that. I mean, okay, well, you can imagine it's, I mean, you know, let's make an allegories in the other direction. If you start by taking a small amount of cocaine, you will eventually take an infinitely large amount of cocaine, right? And in fact, that the requirement to have more and more is built in, and eventually, you just have a heart attack and die. <laughs> it's, the, it's the same you can pump or a balloon all right never mind cocaine it's balloons if you pump air into a balloon eventually it pops uh, yeah. we're looking for all these you know, all these various methods that's a more more user-friendly yeah, let's do that one whatever it is yeah but anything yeah. that you know it's it's an inflationary pattern right there's it's the yeah. same with, with with stop busts and booms i mean all of those things look like they're going to be brilliant and look like they're going to go on forever. And then the whole thing just dies. And, you know, you can see that throughout the entirety of history. There's, you know, we don't live in the Egyptian, we don't live in the Assyrian empire anymore for, for good reason. Yeah, <laughs> it got too yeah. big and then it died. Um, okay. you know, and people went for smaller things. You know. Okay. Before the I... Bronze Age collapse. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Go, say it, say it, say it. Finish it. No, no. Fine. I'm not going to go into the Bronze Age collapse. No, oh, well, I mean, this that's what I'm saying. I, I don't think I can go any farther. We have reached yeah. <laughs> pretty far back. But uh, yeah. I do want to, before it ends, I do wanted to ask you about... Um, what is your relationship with the flow state or whatever you call that state? I don't know what you, whatever. I don't your, know what you mean. The flow okay. state, what, in terms of your practice? Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, flow state, they call it, uh, check send me high is a researcher who, you know, when, uh, well, you're, you're, when you're writing without your prefrontal critical self, hmm. which is completely editing, but sometimes right. you just, really feeling like that you are just the medium you yeah, know how sure. how, uh, how uh, people describe it so how's your relationship with that how do you go in flow state and check it back what's your well i mean it's i mean it's we don't call it the flow state in in creative writing but that is it's pretty solid on from our discipline which is a, a you need to get yourself into a state in which you're not paying attention to yourself right? Essentially, you're just typing. Uh, and the, your fingers are, are essentially transcribing, acting as a medium for whatever it is that you're, you're thinking about. And, and that comes through. The more sophisticated you get as a practitioner, the more like finished writing that seems. Uh, but essentially, you're just acting as a conduit for whatever is... Um, you can use the metaphor of the unconscious from the Freudian end that is just bubbling up from, from your unconscious. You're fantasizing and you're riffing in the same way that you would do if you were you know, composing a piece of music on the fly. And then you, you just let that, excuse me, let that run. And generally for me, that, that takes place over a course of a, a rather limited time period until I have sufficient words to make up the length of a book. Uh, or I reach the end of a set narrative, a kind of narrative that I was thinking of. And basically you try and 
be as hands-off with that as possible. So I start a new document every day. Uh, I riff on whatever word is the theme that I imagined I got to the end of last time. Uh, and then I let that run until I can't do it anymore. Uh, and then I do the same the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. Basically not really thinking about it, not looking at it, not dealing with it at all, with the exception of um, occasionally anxiously wondering what, what it is that I'm doing. And then and trying to remember, you know, what I was doing with these characters in these places, how I was fantasizing around their lives uh, at the end of the last session. And then I begin the next. And then the four brain editorial process happens on top of that. So the process of kind of communing with the muse, which is a kind of even earlier pre-Freudian way of, of describing it, uh, is, is as free as it possibly can be. And then the rest of the material, the intellectualizing over the top of it comes later. And then after that, there's the whole, you know, kind of practical um, corporate end of getting the thing published. Do you change it in ways that, you know, the reader might like. Do you, do you think that, you know, about the 10,000 hours of, uh, you know, that the thing about that, if you have invested somehow 10,000 hours into a craft, then it's much easier for you on the go to be, you know, go into the muse or. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're trying to do the same thing all the time, certainly. Um, if you try and do different things all the time, then, you know, a, a little bit, but not as much by any stretch of the imagination. I think 10,000 hours is a, is a kind of very arbitrary seeming amount. Um, and often you meet people who are just, who seem to be naturally good um, and capable of doing whatever it is that they do brilliantly well. There are lots of, of young students who come who definitely haven't put in 10,000 hours, who have what you would uh, otherwise have to call talent. Uh, and they're, they're, they're capable of producing very good material, uh, very young. Um, I think where the craft comes into it, it is, is in flexibility as much as anything. Um, so I think it's, it's both a matter of being able to master uh, the basic techniques, but also to be able to deal with things, uh, more than one thing, uh, and to do things uh, in response to other people's requirements of you. So I think the better at, at it you get, uh, the more likely you are to be able to say, uh, to rewrite a manuscript on the basis of the fact that somebody required something else from it. So, you know, change your heroine into a hero uh, or set it in Greece. <laughs> you know, those kind of things, yeah. you can make those accommodations skillfully without making yourself feel like you've done something different um, unless you don't know what you're doing, at which point then you just have to throw your hands in the air and start something else. Um, so, yeah, I think practice definitely makes perfect and all of these other platitudes um, and you do have to put the hours in uh, and you do have to develop your skills and your range of behaviors. But it may be that once you've got 10,000 hours in, then subsequent hours to that aren't improving you and maybe reducing your ability <laughs> because uh, I think sometimes there's a tendency to, to travel over old ground uh, and, and, and thereby do the same thing repeatedly or to try to make whatever it is that you're doing sufficiently the same as the last thing you did so you don't have to put as much effort in because you've become used to your craftsmanship uh, and you don't like it when it feels uncomfortable, which is why I think it's always good to do different stuff because then you aren't, you're still having that kind of enthusiastic engagement with the craft that you did when you were younger and that carried you through to this point uh, rather than, you know, just trying to grind out whatever the next thing is that someone's asked you to do. Perfect.
<laughs> okay. No, I'm actually looking forward. I've read a bit of, uh, you know, a blurb from your, for the new book. Uh, yeah, one day it'll come out. So fingers crossed. Deeply. Any, anything to do with the underground or our shadows? I am, yeah, hooked. <laughs> You're all over. Good. Yeah. yeah, yeah What's yeah, your yeah. general area of, of expertise? Oh, um, yeah. Well, it is to do with self, uh, conscious yeah. altering experiences. Okay. Uh, so yeah, real and reality, and also some sort of uh, artificial intelligence, which is I, I would like nice. to maybe call it transcendence intelligence rather than artificial intelligence, which is yeah. so overused at this point that everything is artificial intelligence. Yeah, sure. So so mostly yeah, conscious ordering, experiencing, learning itself. Um, yeah. You know, so that's what I'm personally really really interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of interesting material there. I mean, frightening, uh, but interesting too. I mean, it, particularly in the, in, I mean, it would be useful for this pandemic stuff. I mean, pattern recognition and neural nets and those kind of things that, you know, you can become very useful, I would imagine. There's lots of interesting stuff that I was seeing recently about the ability of um, neural nets to recognize not the causes of things like cancer, but the effects in large epidemiological studies that means that they could then work back to see who had who was likely to have which particular disease at any given time on the basis of their presentation despite them not having any pathological symptoms yeah. and those kind of like like very wide and very deep thought um, activities would seem to be ideal for non-human in, uh, intelligences that's a that's a new hope which i don't know how I haven't checked it very recently, but it's to do with quantum computing. They are yeah. trying to, under, well, at one point they're trying to figure out neural networks, which yeah. is not just predictive uh, stats, simple yeah. algorithms, but truly neural networks, which can communicate with each other and then build up as we, as a, as a kid builds up by yeah. interacting with the world and understanding yeah, in the and safety. Yeah, coming up with its own solutions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you watch Devs? Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Could you imagine <laughs> that I actually started watching it just yesterday and finished three episodes? I'm going to binge watch it tonight. It's nicely done. I mean, I don't agree with its position on determinism, Same. but I won't tell you what happens at the end. So, oh, please uh, don't. Please don't. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I don't. I think he has, I think he has talked, uh, he has looked into string theory and he has looked into uh, quantum physics, uh, but yeah, not yeah. enough because yeah, sure. what he is talking about, there are some other physicists whose theories are really well known would tell you yeah. about quantum physics, wave function, uh, oh, and yeah, definitely. some of the things I mean, which, yeah. The, the, the more specific the his mouthpiece characters are on the science, the less convincing the whole thing becomes. If they just keep their gobs shut about it, then you could imagine your own physics into it because... Some of it is is kind of it's you know it's the kind of stuff that you'd have talked about when you're at school, you know, and with your mates. Oh, you know, imagine if type stuff. But you know, it's it's still entertainingly done, and it's nice to see it's, that guy at the parks and recreations, you know, like widening his. his um, yeah, yeah. I, I, he's a different type of director, to be honest. He's really yeah. engaged in philosophy and science, and and has a lot of subtext. And it's hard. I mean, you 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 want to be like. Um, popular and you want people to be able to understand what you're saying so you can't do it too complicatedly yeah um yeah i do think I that know. his yes please 
<laughs> tell me what you think of the end when eventually you've watched it. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. For sure. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Thanks okay, a lot, cool. Alex. Yeah, it was great. You're Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, right, would, I would love to do something in the studio uh, sometime yeah, when good. we are we are out of this. If they ever allow us back into the campus, Hopefully. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. All See right. See you later. See yeah. you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.